So, if you remember back in Lesson 56 of Matthew last week, I said lesson, not chapter. We noted that at the end of chapter 19, Yeshua speaks of the renewal of all things. In other words, the coming age. He's speaking of the coming age, or as we call it, the messianic kingdom. But before he speaks of the coming age, we noted that Yeshua started the statement, this whole statement by saying, I tell you the truth. Well, Yeshua always tells the truth. And so he's trying to make a point here that, listen up, this is important. We determined that Yeshua was about to introduce something difficult that his disciples had more than likely never heard because it was something that man and the rabbis maybe had not considered. It was so difficult that he had to preface it with this special emphasis. I tell you the truth. Listen up, guys. And he says that for a good reason because he's teaching about the kingdom of heaven and the things of the kingdom are opposite of what we've been conditioned to believe in this age. And so when he teaches of the kingdom, it requires special emphasis. And what was it then that really was so difficult to understand? What was it that he had to add this? I'm sure that he, that he his telling them that they were going to sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes was something new. But was it so difficult? And even leaving houses or brothers, sisters or father, mother or children, fields for his sake and receiving a hundred times as much. Well, that was was kind of difficult. But the difficult thing that he was about to explain is the concept that we find in the parable that he's going to teach next. That's the really difficult thing. Because it was so difficult, he had to explain it in a parable. And what was it? Well, it was that the first will be last and the last will be first. And we know it was the hardest thing because, like I said, it requires a parable to explain it. And so, as I said, chapter 20 begins with a parable that explains what he meant. And you have to remember, keep in mind, that parables, contrary to popular belief, were really simple stories that helped people understand difficult passages and concepts within the Word of God. And we can loosely equate them to sermon illustrations. They were like sermon illustrations. And we know that this is an illustration of what he meant by the phrase, the first will be last and the last will be first. Because he ends the parable with, so the last will be first and the first will be last. And then when we get to the end of chapter 20, he says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. He just said just the opposite. I put them up here so that you can compare them. So, perhaps he reversed the order to make a point that the first will be last and the last will be first. I don't know. But what we have to keep in mind was that this was all brought about because of a discourse of the rich young man. And even more specifically, Peter's inquiry as to what the reward of the disciples will be after giving up everything to follow Yeshua. I want to read the end of chapter 19 just once more so it's really fresh in our mind so that we have before we go into this parable. Verse 27 says, And Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Yeshua said to them, I tell you the truth. 
At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. You see, the question, what will there be for us? And the answer is really difficult. That's why he says, I tell you the truth. Many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So difficult, like I said, that it requires a parable. So we have to keep all of this at the forefront of our mind as we look at the parable. The parable will teach of the reward at the renewal of all things at the coming age. So let's read the parable. Chapter 20, verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now remember, it's always helpful to identify the elements of a parable. And if we look at this one, the first is really easy. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. And so God is the owner. He, in fact, he is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is just a circumlocution for his name. It's his kingdom. The men who are hired are those who are, who are workers of the landowners. Those who have served God in this life. They're the workers. And the denarius, that's the reward for laboring for the king. In the kingdom. And again, the question of Peter that started this whole thing needs to be at the front of our minds. We've left everything. So what will our reward be? And so the parable begins with those who have worked all day. We've left everything. Those who have worked all day. Now it just says he went out early and the next time he goes out will be the third hour or nine o'clock in the morning. And then he goes back for more laborers at three hour intervals. And so we can assume that early in the morning, maybe around 6, close to daybreak. And he tells the workers then that he'll pay them a denarius for the day's work. And if we go forward, we find that the day ends at sundown. So these men have a specific contract for a specific salary for a specific time, a day's work. But then he goes out at the third hour at 9 in the morning as we read. In verse 3, about the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the market doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever's right. And so he goes out again and this time he doesn't even specify the salary. He just says, I'll pay you what is right. So to these men, the landowner's only obligation is to give them whatever he deems right. It could be more than denarius, it could be less than a denarius. Whatever he deems right. Their contract had no specific reward. And then he goes out again in verse 5. So he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same. And so at three hour intervals, he goes out and he does the same. And again, he says, I'll pay you whatever's right. And whatever's right will be determined by the owner. Three hours later, he does the same. And then at the eleventh hour, he goes out again. It says, about the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around and asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. 
And so he goes out at the 11th hour, very little of the day left. Yet the landowner, having to get this harvest in, he goes out this time after just two hours. And there are breaking that three-hour interval. And with only about an hour left in the day, he hires more workers. And again, no wages specified. Verse 8 says, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. And the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and received a denarius. And so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. You know, I found nearly every commentary that I read talked about the wage being the same. But it didn't say anything about the ones who came last got paid first, which is the point of the parable. Now, as one might imagine, the theme that's used is used by other rabbis of the day, and, and uh, I want to read a couple of them that I found. There were many of these, but I just want to read a couple. One of them I found in Samuel Locke's book, Commentary on Matthew, and it's a quote from the Talmud, and it says this, When Arban Bar Hayah died, Rabbi Zerah came in and delivered a eulogy over him. Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he has eaten much or little. To what can Arban be compared? To a king who hired many workers, and there was one who was more skilled in his work than the others. And what did the king do? Well, he walked up and down with him, and at the evening the laborers came to get their wages, and he gave them the same wages he gave them. Whereupon they murmured, We labored the whole day long. This one worked only two hours. And he gave them the same as he gave us. And the king said to them, This one did more in two hours than you did in the entire day. <laughs> Similarly, our bun labored in the study of Torah 28 years and learned what a diligent scholar would learn in 100 years. And so we see some similarities here, but we also see some major differences. First, this one takes into the account the rabbi's gifting, how much more gifted this rabbi was, and that he did much more than those who labored longer. No such statement is made in Yeshua's parable, though. It didn't say that the ones who came later were more skilled, only that they worked for a shorter period of time. Now I want to read another one, because I think this one's even better. And this says this, it says... It is like a parable of a king who hired workers and they began to do their work faithfully. And the king said to one of them, Come, let us walk through the provinces among the gardens and the orchard. And he walked with him all day long while the others labored in their work. In the evening they came to the king and said, Please give us our wages. And the one who walked with the king came as well and asked for his pay. And the other said, What right have you to receive? You did not labor faithfully all day at the work. And he answered them, there was nothing left for me to do. <laughs> and the king understood that he was justified and gave him his wage. You see, the similarities are many, but again, the differences are many as well. And the thing I want you to see in this parable is that one laborer did not work, but he walked with the king throughout the day. And though he did not work, he did exactly what the king asked him to do. Exactly what he wanted him to do. And that's that. They, they have these two things in common. Yeshua makes some very specific points that are quite different than either of these older parables. 
But he, he has elements of both within the parable. And I want to read uh, now Yeshua's response in verse 11. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only an hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And he answered them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? You see, the parable Yeshua is making some things clear. First, the landowner, God, is in complete charge. He decided who was going to work. He decided when each person was going to work. And he decided how he was going to reward each person. What we may not see in the story is that while the labor was different in length of time, they also labored the same in that they did exactly what the king wanted them to do or what the landowner wanted them to do. You see, I often tell people, search and study Torah, study it well, and find out what's in there that God requires of you. Seek him also in your prayer closet. Find him there and listen to what he has to say. Then go out and put your hands to the labor that he's given you to do. Because all God requires of you is what he's given you to do. You see, it was the same in the parable as well. In that each of the laborers did exactly what the landowner wanted him to do. And so the landowner paid them what he thought was fair. Now verse 14 says, Take your pay and go. I want to give this man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And so the last will be first and the first will be last. Again, making the point that the landowner has the right to do with his money as he pleases. The landowner paid not on the basis of time worked, but on the basis of each person doing as he asked. And so the moral Yeshua is trying to teach here is that the kingdom reward will be given not on the basis of the amount of time spent laboring in the kingdom, but on whether you did what the king asked. At least that's what it would seem to me. However, when you think about that, still wouldn't answer the statement, the first will be last and the last will be first, would it? Still doesn't quite answer that. So what are the main themes and lessons here? Well, if you thought that the reward of the Father was based on the amount of good that you did, I mean, if we look back at the rich young man who had much wealth to give, if he would have given it, or if you thought that the reward of the Father was based, as Peter said, we've left everything, what will be our reward? Well, if you base it on those kind of things, you may be surprised. Those would seem to be the obvious, but the kingdom of heaven is never the obvious. It's in the last sentence that we get the real moral, and that's why I underlined it. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money, or are you envious because I'm generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? The moral is not the amount of money given, or even the fact that he gave each worker the same, because each worker did exactly what he asked, the moral of the story is in this envious eye. What we do or do not do for the king should not matter. It's our attitude. That's what makes us first and last in the kingdom. It isn't even if the Lord is happy 
with what we do for him in our labor for the kingdom because the land over paid everyone the same and the Lord is the same. He's happy with all who turn to him and labor in his kingdom. But it should be enough for us that we've been called to the kingdom, that he's chosen us to labor in the kingdom. That should be enough for us. We shouldn't even have our eyes on what other people are doing for the kingdom. And we certainly should not be comparing ourselves to what others do for the kingdom or have done for the kingdom. But we should focus and we should be consumed with what God has given us to do. You see, it's only those God has chosen and it's only the things that God has given the individual to do that is rewarded. And we need to realize it's God who calls, he calls, when he calls, he decides the reward for answering the call. It's all up to him. And if we go back to the story of the rich young man who came to Yeshua and he walked away sad because his eyes were fixated on the amount of money that he had, the amount of money that he was going to have to give, he walked away sad because he had much. Now, I want to read a story from Luke uh, in, that's in Luke and Mark, but doesn't exist in Matthew. And it's in Luke chapter 21, verse 1. It says, as he looked up, he saw Yeshua, Yeshua saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow who put two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth. Notice that I tell you the truth. He said, this poor widow has put more in than all the others. All the other people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in all she had to live on. You see, what Yeshua is telling us in this passage is that the reward of the widow at the renewal of all things will be as great as the rich young man if the rich young man had done exactly as Yeshua said and gave all he had. Because both would have been given, would have given all, all they had, even though there was a great disparity in the amounts given. The amount means nothing. Now imagine the rich young man, had he done what Yeshua said and given all that he had. What would make the rich young man first or last in the kingdom? It would be the attitude of the rich young man. The reward would be the same. You see, we can only give or do what God has already given us to do. And give what he's already given us. The reward is the same. Whether or not you'll be happy or envious is up to you. Does life in God's kingdom get better than life in God's kingdom? I think not. We can only do what he's given us to do. We're not to look at others' labor, but only our own. And if we do that, and we rejoice in the reward of others as we rejoice in our own reward, then we love our neighbor as ourselves. The thing we need to concern ourselves with is finding out the will of the master and then setting our hands to the plow and not taking our hands from the plow. There will always be those who have seemed to have a better ministry or those who seem to be more favored by God than us, but not to him. And he will reward each of us according to what he has given us to do. And if we did what he's given us to do. The Talmud makes a very similar point. The Talmud says this. 
One may acquire eternity in a single hour. Another may acquire it after, only after many years. If you set your hand to the plow and do the task that God has given you to do and work diligently at it, his satisfaction in your labor will be no less or great than anyone else who has done as he asked. You should take great satisfaction in that. You should find your satisfaction in that. And the only way your satisfaction can be diminished is if you look at another with an evil or an envious eye. Only if you measure what you do against someone else, what someone else is doing, will you be disappointed. And what we learn in the parable is that the reward is out of our hands. So why worry about the reward? But if you measure what you do with what God has given you to do and do it well, you can never be disappointed. And neither will the Holy One be disappointed in you. And so your reward will be the same. Because he'll do as he pleases. So the moral of the story is focus on the task the Holy One has given you to do. Which brings me to the last parable I want to read. One of my favorites. Our Tarfon says, The day is short, the work formidable, the worker's lazy, the wages high, the employer impatient. He would say, It is not your job to finish the work, but you are not free to walk away from it either. You have learned much Torah. They will give you a good reward. You see, folks, the day is short. There's never enough time in life, not your life or the life of the age, to do what God has given to you to do, to do what needs to be done. What is at stake is great, a great wage. It's life. That is life. The task Tikkun Olam, the restoration of the age, the harvest of the crop. And God has given us each something to do. And God is saying, seek me out and find out what I have for you to do because it's not your job to finish the work. But neither are you free to walk away from it. It's not our job to, to decide the reward or the fairness of the reward. It's not our job to complete the plan of God either. But neither are you free to walk away from your part in the restoration of the age. A great evangelist may be given the task of preaching to thousands of people and seeing thousands of people come to the Lord. A great rabbi or pastor may be given the task of teaching to thousands about the wonders of the word of God and teaching people the wonders of following God and keeping the commands of God. A great prophet may be given the oracles of God to utter to kings or rulers of the earth. Or a man of great wealth may be given the task to support dozens of ministries through the wealth that God has given him. And another man may be given the task of teaching a dozen children in the Shabbat school. And yet, he faithfully does the task that God has given him to do, shows up each week to teach a dozen children. No one ever hearing his name except the dozen children and some grateful parents. Another, the task of just going into the prayer closet each day of their life and interceding on behalf of others, never hearing of what that prayer person did. But what Yeshua is saying is that 
They did all God asked them to do and there will be no difference in the reward because God does not reward on the basis of gifts that he gave you or the oracles he gave you to utter or what he does reward on on the basis of your faithfulness to complete the task that he has given you to do. He rewards your faithfulness. And when he rewards, the parable teaches, he rewards as he deems fair. Hey, if one who is seemingly a small laborer to us is rewarded before the one who did seemingly great things, oh well, who cares? Eternity is a long time, right? A long time. Amen.